You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're answering the question, how does the gospel inform the way that I date? So dating is something that's present in almost all of our lives. If you're married, you dated at one point. If you're not married, you're either dating or maybe you're considering dating right now. And there are a lot of things to take into consideration as it pertains to dating and the gospel. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, Zach Wyrock, and Stacey DiNardo, both members of, members of our leadership team. Our question today is, how does the gospel inform dating? How does the gospel inform dating? I thought to start, we're just going to go around the room and everybody will share the story of their first date, because everybody in this room is married, so their first date with their spouse. Joe, why don't you kick, kick us off? What did you do? <laughs> All right. Uh, my first date with my wife was supposed to be to play tennis, uh, but then I found out that she was a really good tennis player, and I was afraid <laughs> she was going to beat me, so I had to call her and date. just say, hey, why don't we just go walk up the Ivanhoe's, which was the local ice cream place, and get ice cream, which is what we did. So that was our first date because I was a chicken <laughs> and didn't want to get beat. That's a great story. I, I That makes sense for people who know you. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. You were yeah. interested in her, I but still not in so much as she right. would beat you in sport. <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't want our first uh, our first impression of me was throwing the racket. Loser? Yeah. Yeah, and yelling and stomping off the court. So, yeah. Uh, my first date. Uh, with my wife was actually we we were in college. I was a freshman in college, and we went to Arby's and talked about the Bible for a couple hours. Of course, you did. Yep. Well, we came from very different <laughs> traditions, and I think we both had a sense of if we couldn't get on the same page on some things, we were not going to be able to coexist. So, uh, wow. Now that I say it out loud, it sounds awful, but <laughs> I've been married fifteen years, so something must have worked. <laughs> Uh, my husband, Gene, and I, we also met in college. Um, I think my first memory is us standing in back of our dorm room. I think it was Halloween night, having like a long conversation by the dumpster. So what were you dressed as? It was really romantic. Hey, that's, that's <laughs> worse than mine. <laughs> that's worse than Arby's. They were in a dumpster. It was by a dumpster. That's yeah. all I remember. But our first official date, I, we went to an Italian restaurant in the little town, our college town that we went to, and I think we saw the re-release of The Little Mermaid. So... Okay. Yeah. Uh, my first date with my wife, Emily, uh, we ended up at Panera, but uh, I should say that Emily along the way was trying to set me up I with somebody right. else yeah. who was one of her friends. And so I had. Uh, so you thought it was a date. She thought it was like <laughs> yeah. she was putting still in scheming a word for at, a friend at that point. Yeah. And actually, uh, when I called her to ask her out on the date, she didn't call me back for 36 hours. And so I was like wow. in that awkward period of like, okay. I'm pretty persistent. Do I just, I just called her again. And then she picked up that time. And so she said, yes, but yeah, along the way she had in mind to set me up with one, with another one of her friends. So we had to have a a direct conversation as a part of our first date where I had to say, Hey, I'm actually interested in you and not somebody else. So then we ended up at Panera and then we went to church. So I'd like to hear the story of how she explained that to her friend. Ah, yeah, that's not my problem. That's uh, where, (laughs) yeah, that comes, that goes, that's, she goes back and her friend's like, so does he want to go out with me or not? And she's like, ah, he's seeing someone else actually. Sorry. (laughs) And by the way, it's me. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. That's not my problem. But I, I, again, I didn't ask her to try to set me up with a, with a friend. So I I asked her to go on a date with me and That's that's what I got. So all right. All right, let's talk okay. about how the gospel informs dating. Actually, it's interesting. Dating is not 
really something you find in the Bible. So, you know, there are probably principles we can draw out and just wisdom things that we can say about dating. But I'm curious to know kind of your perspective on dating as it pertains to Christianity. How's the gospel inform it? Yeah, dating is a Western construct, yeah. right? Because uh, when I was over in India, we talked talk to guys there that had arranged marriages. And when I would say, how does that work? The first time I went to India, I was just going, you got to tell, tell me what you, you know, what was going on in your head? Because it was so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And they would say that for us in India, we think marriage is like a, a cold pot of soup that you put on a stove and it warms up over time. Hmm. And you Americans take a hot pot of soup you and your marriages, you take it off the stove and it cools huh. down over time. That's a great analogy. That's a great it's analogy. interesting yeah. because in non-Western countries, a lot of times the emphasis is on the family, right? not on the individual, which is our culture is an individualized, yeah. you know, so that's why we were like, well, you got to pick who you marry because that's your Right. And there are a, lo- a lot of different, you know, that's what people in the West and uh, don't understand. There are a lot of different ways or reasons people get married around mm-hmm. the world yeah. yep. and that's self-fulfillment right. is not... And I think that's a, I think that's a great place to start because dating lives in the shadow of marriage, right? So either you're right. dating to get married or you date long enough someone's going to ask, "So, or when are you guys getting married?" like it's just hanging out there. And I think so how you think about marriage ultimately determines a lot of what you think about dating. dating. And I think the so the the key thing to start is maybe one of the ways the Bible is most at odds with our culture is its understanding of marriage in that culturally marriage as, is seen as a means of self-fulfillment, right? You're looking for someone who completes you. You're looking for someone who adds value to your life, who helps you be the best you. Uh, it, biblically, marriage is a means of sanctification or of making you holy, that marriage is a space in which God challenges your sin. Marriage is a space in which God encourages you to pursue righteousness, right? And you're, you're adding to your life a committed, intimate partner who, yes, loves Loves you and is attracted to you and all those things, but but is committed to saying, I don't exist to give you happiness the way you define right. it. I exist to help you find happiness as God defines it. And so if you think about marriage as a means of self-fulfillment, you're going to pursue dating that way. And everyone you date, you're going to view through the lens of what can they do to me? What can they bring to me? How can they help, uh, help me? Versus if you view marriage as a means of sanctification, you say, well, I'm not just looking for somebody who can help me be holy. But I am looking for someone for whom I'll commit to making them holy, and that's a much different mindset. Yeah, completely approach dating differently with that mindset. I think, yeah, you already said this, Zach, but I think as I um, am right now, again, in the middle of having two teenage daughters, or always telling them, like, the only reason that you would engage in doing anything besides just being friends with someone is long-term thinking about marriage. So who you choose in that and who is a part of that part of your life is so, so crucial. So is there any space even in that for someone that is a Christian to date someone that is not a Christian? I mean, that's um, a question out there to say is, you know, if the ultimate goal is holiness, is sanctification, then is there space to date a non-Christian as a believer? Yeah, I would think that you have hit on something to say uh, that you should be friends with a lot of people, right? And friendship can can show you a ton about a person. Uh, but if your framework about marriage is what Zach said, and dating is the precursor for marriage, and you only date in order to get married, right. then I would say uh, you would never 
consider somebody who is not a Christian, you would you would be uh, a friend with people that are not Christians. Absolutely, yeah. Right? yeah. And Paul actually explicitly says this in First Corinthians seven when he says, you know, don't be unequally yoked. And what he's saying is, uh, what fellowship does Christ have with Satan, who he calls Belial? But the point he's making is, hey, look, you guys don't have the shared interest in common, right? I mean, I think that's the thing. Is right, my dad right. would always tell me when I was growing up uh, and started dating is he would say, Zach, there exists within you two Zachs, right? Like the Zach who wants to follow Jesus and then the old sinful Zach. He said, when you are with another, when you're with another Christian, you can resonate with them on either level. You could share your desire to follow Jesus or you could fall into sin together. But when you're dating someone who only shares one thing in common with you, right. and that is the that we Zach. both we right. both want to be rebellious uh, you know, to God, that's the level on which eventually you're going to identify with, even if it's just a passive form of rebellion, a self-sufficient kind of rebellion. It doesn't mean you're going to go headlong into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Rock and roll can just mean that over time, your interest in God slowly wanes because yeah. they're not able to inflame that. So I think the starting point is saying the reason why I would date is that I'm exploring the idea of marriage, and marriage is a means of sanctification. Therefore, I should only date people that I can expect would reasonably and positively contribute to my sanctification. Well, yeah, in the situation that was described where a Christian would be dating a non-Christian, it, it should be a non-starter simply because you cannot possibly have the same endgame for that relationship. You know, right. even if right. both of you think about marriage as the end game of, of the relationship, a Christian's reason to get married and purpose behind marriage is completely different from somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And it goes back to some of what was said earlier about uh, there's a difference between thinking of marriage as a means of self-fulfillment as opposed to marriage as uh, the Bible describes that as a means of sanctification. And if somebody's not a Christian, then sanctification is not a thing for them. So they're right. not going to look at marriage as a way to become sanctified because they don't care about becoming sanctified. So you can possibly, like dating doesn't make much sense in that scenario. Yeah. Now there's people dating that are of many, many ages, but just one thing I love that uh, my husband, my husband, I kind of decided this early on is that um, we have daughters, so we had um, kind of let them know that if someone wanted to date them, that they we wanted. Yeah, what's them the to, test? What does Jean do to? Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that they would have to approach my husband and, and ask permission for that. Um, but I love that what I've learned that my husband actually talks to them about is saying that um, their primary responsibility is to point our daughter to Jesus. Um, now, that needs to go two ways, too. I mean, it's not as if it's only on the guy. So I, I know that's putting a lot of pressure there, but um, that that is out of the gate, out of the very beginning, just the primary responsibility and and of job of just the dating relationship is that we are going to point each other to Jesus and to be growing in our spiritual health. So. Well, how, do we, uh, how do we define dating? Like, um, That's a good question. you know, like I know that, uh, it's probably changed a lot since I dated. Like going uh, steady. Going yeah, steady. Yeah. Like <laughs> do you do that? And that's kind of like, uh, like with your daughters, does yeah. dating happen when they end up saying we are exclusively seeing each other? Does it mean when they are getting involved Physically, whether that's holding hands or kissing or are, are you know, whatever asking that is, for Stacy's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave them out of it. I, mean, no, I, I, I think, I, think yes, I would but. describe dating, particularly if I think about adults. 
maybe teenagers are dating when like mom and dad give their blessing and say, right, okay. Right, but, but for adults, I think it would be when you're both clear that's what's happening. So right. I don't think it has to be exclusive. I don't think it has to be serious. I don't think it has to, but when you say we're not getting together just as friends and and there is a romantic element to this. So whether we're on a first date and we're just figuring out if there's chemistry or if there's mutual interest, but everybody understands why we're here, right? This is not like he thinks we're on a date and she doesn't, like Jimmy's date, but like both parties saying – uh, we are exploring uh, a romantic relationship. That's how I would describe it. And uh, how do you keep it from being uh, a process of self-fulfillment? You know, because I, you know, I think way back, and I did not approach dating in a, in a right way at all. Mm-hmm. But I was all about self-fulfillment. Yeah. Now, you know, once I get got married, I started realizing... Uh, I might have approached the whole thing wrong and I need to be more Yeah, about. I think some of that, honestly, some of that is just your mentality. So I, I think, look, it, I want to be clear. I mean, I, I think I've been married for 15 years. I dated my wife for four years before that. I, I very much so enjoy her company, find her attractive. Those things matter. They do matter. But I think some of it is like a Christian goes on a date and their, and their only question isn't, how do I feel about this person? What can this person do for me, right? But their understanding is, hey, if, if, if we continue down this road, I'm committing to participating in this person's walk with Jesus. Am I ready for that? Am I – like I think there's some questions to ask yourself before you ask anything of the other person, which is to say, am I ready and equipped to help another person follow Jesus? Am I ready and equipped to walk through difficult situations? I know the more I date this person, the more I'm going to figure out how sinful they are, and some of it's going to be ugly. Am I willing to walk through that with right. them? Yeah. Right? Am I willing? And if I'm not, then the only way I could date would be a self-centered self-fulfillment-oriented kind of way. And in the end, I'm going to hurt this person. Even if I marry them, I'm going to hurt them because I'm only thinking about myself. So I think if you're listening to this and you're dating or you're thinking about dating or the first question to ask is, am I willing to view dating as primarily an opportunity to bless the other person and then, yes, also receive something from myself? And if I'm not ready to think about it that way, I'm probably not ready to date in a healthy biblical way. Another question I would have is uh, how long do you think people should date? You know, one of the things that I've talked to couples about uh, who have been dating, and particularly once they get engaged, I will say that there are three threads that every human being has and they're wound around together and they in, and God intended it for them to go on the same trajectory and that's a physical, emotional, and spiritual thread. The more, the closer you get spiritually, the closer yeah. you get emotionally, the more your the physical will come. And I remember in my seminary <laughs> that I went to, uh, they said that it was a rule that people who are not uh, couples who are not married could not pray, pray together. together. Yes. And I remember thinking, what in the world? And when I asked one of the administrators why that was so, he very candidly said that. Uh, because what we found was that when couples pray together, uh, often sex is the result because they get so close spiritually and then the physical goes along with that. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I said earlier about being unequally yoked together. I think I said that's 1 Corinthians 7. It's actually 2 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 7 is when Paul is talking about this very question. And he talks about a man 
and he, and the virgin he's betrothed to, what he, and we would say the woman he's involved with and going right. to marry, yeah. right? And and Paul says, look, if you are consumed with lust, you need to get married. And what he's really saying is like, look, if you guys have reached a point where you're committed to each other and you are desiring this, you don't need to restrain it. You need to get married. And I think in some ways, and I know this is going to be shocking when I say it, so if you're listening, let me explain it. In some ways, we almost have too high a view of marriage where you've, you know, you've got to just – you have this 75-point checklist you've got to work through with somebody. You know, I hear people all the time say, well, we're not going to get married until we have $20,000 in the exactly, bank. Right. We're not going to – and it's and like – and, and Paul's point is like, look, if you're struggling, just get married. And, and you would say, well, but there's so much I don't know. But, but again, Paul's point is marriage is a means of sanctification. Right. Right. So if you're right. ready to commit to each other and if you say – if you're willing to look at someone and go, hey, no matter what, till death do us part, I am in. Ride or die. I'm going to help you fight sin. You're going to help me. We're going to love each other. We're Gonna, then you're ready, and I, you know, and, and the older you get, I think that's even more true. Yeah. So you know, I think if two 30 year olds came to me and said we've been dating for two months, and we're ready to commit to each other, you know, I'd want to meet with them, I'd want to talk to them, I'd want to, but I wouldn't have a sense of like what two months? That's you not enough date time. For another six months, right? Come back There's not a yeah. time. It is. Are you are you ready to commit your life to participating in the sanctification of this person? And and if you're not. Then you shouldn't get married. <laughs> yeah. Then and if you two are, two years then, from now, you probably won't be either. Well, right? I think that right. I think that's the thing. Is like, and, and and again, I let me use a crude analogy that I think is really helpful if you're dating right now. You know, Jimmy and I uh, coached together seventh grade football uh, here in Hudson, and you, you know, every year at the beginning of the season, you're going to look at your team and you're going to say, "Who do I got?" Right? And here's what you're going to say: I cannot coach them to be faster. I cannot coach them to be stronger, to jump higher. What they are is what they are. I can teach them technique. I can teach them the position. But they bring a set of raw skills to the table that I've got to... And I think if marriage is about sanctification, then what you're really saying is, do I and do they have the raw skills necessary to be successful? Do they love Jesus? Do they bring up Jesus? Without me having to bring are they it up, walking with him. Yeah. yeah, are they regularly in prayer? Are they studying the scripture? Are they evangelistic? Are I do I see these things? Now I'm saying, are they brilliant in their technique? That's not what I'm saying. Is there a genuine desire in them to do those things? Those are the raw skills you need. If that's present in them, if you can see the Holy Spirit at work in them, then their technique is going to improve. Sanctification is the work of the Spirit. He will continue to do what he started. The Bible says he's faithful to complete what he's started. If you don't see those raw skills, because here's what happens. Well, when we get married, I will teach them these things. And that's true. You will try to teach them, but you can't teach them to run fast. You can't teach them to jump high. You can't teach them to be strong. You cannot make someone love Jesus. Now, you've used the word sanctification a few times. Define that for people. Yeah. So sanctification is just the process of being made holy. So if you say, I used to struggle with pornography, but God has freed me from that. I don't desire that anymore. I'm clean of that. Then in theological terms, you've been sanctified. You are undergoing, we are all undergoing a process of sanctification. And marriage is about coming alongside someone and saying through the ups and downs of life, through having kids or not being able to have kids, through having a great sex life or not, through being healthy or not, wealthy or not, I am going to walk with you and point you to Jesus. So when you put it that way, it's really a question of can you commit to them, not do they check all the boxes that you had in mind, you know, that, that you're trying them out 
to do. Yeah. And you've already said this, but I think it's just worth restating when you're in choosing someone to date and looking at who that person is. If they do not possess those qualities, like you've said, if they are not, you can't expect them to change. You can't expect them to just develop them on their own. That's right. God can change them, but you yeah. can't hit a button and make that happen. And, and I think you have got to be honest and look at who are their friends? Yeah. Who, who are they hanging out with? And what are they valuing? And are they are talking they about Jesus? I ask women this all the time because it's just in the church, unfortunately, in 2020, we have way more women chasing after Jesus than we do men. And I ask women all the time when they come to me about dating or premarital counseling, I say, when you are together, do you ever talk about Jesus? And they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'll say, who brings it up? And you can just watch it wash over their face. Has he ever brought Jesus up? Or does he only talk about it when you talk about it? And I'm just telling you, you need someone who will bring Jesus up. And you need someone who understands that you need someone who does that, who views dating you as a call to action for them to participate in that. That's what you need. Sin can be overcome in the power of the Spirit, but you cannot make someone love Jesus. And putting a ring on their finger will not change their affection level for Jesus. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.